Welcome to the Vorthos Podcast with your host, Matt W. Ruff. Thank you, Bob, and welcome to this part two of the Q&A for the Vorthos Podcast. Um, and I'm glad I waited. I did the technology one first because I got a second question in that I think needs to be dealt with. The first question I got, and I never mentioned who it came from, uh, said, I know you're not Catholic, but what do you think about certain priests or bishops not allowing um, progressive left pro-abortion Catholics not to have communion? Which I think is a very good question. And we'll address it in the much broader sense, not just the Pacific. But if you want the Pacific, yes, I think it's wonderful. Um, you can't be anything and do things that are against the anything's rules, regulations, or what it stands for. Just imagine if you're the CEO of General Motors and you refuse to to ride in or drive a GM motor, you prefer a Mercedes-Benz or a Lexus or a Ford, especially a Ford, you know. Um, that would just not be, I, on top of sending obviously the wrong message, it just, it's just wrong. If, if you don't like the GM uh, automobiles, you shouldn't be CEO of GM unless you're saying, I'm not going to ride in this particular model till they get their act together. It's kind of like Steve Jobs when he pulled the mobile me team together and said, you've disappointed Apple. You've disappointed our customers because you produce this terrible product. Uh, fired nine tenths of them and sent them back to the uh, new group, back to the drawing ball board. And we, that's where we got iCloud. So, um, but as far as a specific case, it was about, I think, Joe Biden not being allowed, who's supposedly about Catholic. Now, I take huge, I am not a Catholic. I don't claim to be an expert in Catholicism, but I've studied it enough to know I can never be one. Um, the Catholic Church has a list in their catechism. It's over, I think, 3,000 things that the Catholic Church believes in some of which I agree with, okay, they're not all wrong, but they, they are a separate uh, religion unto themselves. Catholicism is not Christianity, and, and Catholics may, can, they're free to argue that point with me. I'd love to have a Catholic on here uh, to discuss it, but be, and to be clear, some Catholics are Christians, but the religion, as it's preached, and as it's followed, do not mesh with Scripture. But the bigger issue is um, denying sacraments. Um, and the, Bab the Baptists, the Presbyterians, the Methodists, most Protestant churches only have two sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper. I don't want to overdwell on that because I really don't think that's Really, in, in Catholicism, it's a bigger deal than it is in Protestantism. Um, but 
scripture is clear about like offering. Okay. Uh, and a lot of people don't press it because they need the money. You know, there's, as I said, way too more. There's, there's way too many churches that uh, are way too concerned about the money. That's because they spend so much money on themselves. Um, now, you, you probably heard me say a church is partially a business, but not really. But in the business side, or just the life side, you have this, if you're single, you have this as a, as a, a family, you have this as a company, you have as a nonprofit or church, you have to balance the books. And at the end of the day, you have to have enough assets to pay the bills. Okay. Churches do need money to pay the bills. My issue is not that part of it. My problem is, is what they're spending their money on. Okay, so to cut a long story short, yes, you have to give to a church in order for it to pay its bills. The the New Testament makes it real clear that we do not have a New Testament tithe. The New Testament tithe was part of what the Presbyterians call the Old Covenant, And it is, it's the old system of percentage giving to the church, to the church and understand it was more than 10%. It was 10% to the church. And there was other percents to this is 22 or 23. There's some, some argument about the two, but that's really mute at this point in time. Any pastor says you have to give 10% to the church is preaching a false statement there. There is nothing that says, in the New Testament that describes you have to give 10% to the church. That being said, 10% may be a good round number for some people, but like, I hate to compare it, the the U.S. government's income tax scale taxes the rich at a higher percentage than it taxes the poor. Okay. though I'm against outrageous taxes, that principle I'm I'm actually okay with because biblically stating the New Testament structures giving is give as the Lord has blessed you financially. Some people have the ability, the skill set, and the know-how to make a lot of money. Some people have the skill set to make fine furniture and not make a lot of money, but make a nice living. Both are equal in the eyes of the Lord and their work is both valuable. That being said, the guy that has a small carpentry shop cannot give at the percentage of a hedge fund guy who's just really good at making a whole lot of money. Okay. The person that makes a whole lot of money should be giving a lot more money 
not just number, but percentage-wise, than the person who has a small business, who's trying to grow a small business and to pay for all the expenses of life. I do not believe necessarily that you pay all your expenses and then you give the leftover to God. Okay. You should give, make a, you know, look at your budget and say, okay, we're going to on try to give this percentage. And then when we get to this next level, we will up that percentage. That would be a really constructive way to handle it. And that does include, you know, when the Lord moves you to give something special that touches your heart. Okay. So the, the legalism of the old Testament type does not exist. And the legalism period doesn't exist in the, in the new Testament and in Christianity and the legalism of the 10% tithe. So moving that aside back to the, the principles of not giving a sacrament. The bigger issue is to remove members who do not comply with the doctrinal statements of the church. Just like in a fair legal system, imagine the U.S. laws trimming away the stupid ones that people have enacted recently and some older ones and say, we're just going to, for the sake of argument, we're going to accept these, these laws as, you know, just. Some of them aren't. Let's, we all know that. So, in this particular case, there are always hierarchy of laws. Nobody that I know would say a person who treats a four-way stop at three in the clock in the morning where nobody's around as a yield sign, except the policeman that happened to be there and pulls him over and gives him a ticket for running a stop sign. That penalty should be equal to somebody who cold-bloody kills somebody or who somebody who breaks into somebody's house or business and steals their product. Okay. There is hierarchical laws. Trespassing is a law. You're allowed to trespass in certain circumstances to prevent a greater um, crime. Okay. If you see a guy dragging a young girl by the hair like into a shed and you see it and there's all these signs doing a trespass, I think you're totally justified to break that law to go save the girl from being tortured and or abused by the person doing the dragging if you have the resources to do it. What's alarming today, which just happened this week, you see a guy come in on his motorcycle or bicycle, load up product of some sort and why why a somebody that looks like he's there on a, a I think it's a TSA on the sticker so I'm, I'm not likely zero but people just videotaped it they didn't try to stop the guy and he drives out with the product okay pure theft okay what 
we have to do in the church, and the Catholic Church is no worse than the Protestant churches in this regard. The Baptist churches don't do it at all. Presbyterians have a system. Uh, it's very personal to me because I went through their system because I had a pastor who was going after me for, and I filed charges against him, and they just refused to deal with him because he was famous ish and didn't want to, they didn't want to deal with it. They flapped him on the wrist and said, don't do that again. And we don't care about you because you're nobody. Um, and so that's totally wrong too. But <laughs> what we have to restore in the church is discipline, including a word that's not in the Bible, but the principle is in the Bible of excommunication. Okay? Most of God's moral laws are in the Old Testament. There's some in the New Testament, but most of them are in the Old Testament. He didn't need to repeat thou shalt not murder in the New Testament, even though he does, because it was wrong in the Old Testament. In fact, as I've stated before, I take a view that the Ten Commandments are above any kind of things. The Ten Commandments were written by the finger of God on a tablet given to Moses by God. Okay? Firsthand, the only, you know, the only thing that is firsthand in the entire Bible is the Ten Commandments. The moral ones, honor your father and your mother so that you may have long life in the land, the Lord your God is given to you. Honor your parents, first moral law. Second moral law, you shall not commit murder. Now, the King James is terrible here. They It says you shall not kill. That's a bad understanding of the word. Murder is killing, obviously, but you're allowed to kill in certain cases. If somebody's breaking into your house and they're, you're allowed to protect your, your property, your house, your life, your other, your family to the point of killing that person in war, killing is going to happen. It's either kill or be killed in war. God, a bunch of times told the Israels to totally annihilate whole civilizations. Now, liberals, progressives, anti-Christian, anti-God, i.e. satanic worshipers, and without calling them that, really, point to that and say, I can't deal with a God that does that, you know. So, that's a whole other issue. But, so to kill is permissible in certain cases. Thou shalt not commit murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, I take a much broader on the you shall not commit adultery. I don't think it's just talking about, you know, sexual relations with somebody else's wife. I think it's the whole sex, don't commit. I broaden it, don't commit sexual sins. That being said, the person who does a certain sin, sexual sins are minor compared to those of adultery or homosexuality. Okay. You shall not steal. 
you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. That's probably the biggest sin of most people I know. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So many people talk so much trash or so much falsehood about other people, whether it's on Twitter or whether it's in person or whether it's on various other social media platforms, whether it's on the news broadcast. I mean, this we've gone overboard in the do not bear false witness category. Last but not least, it's also probably the hardest for a bunch of people. Thou shall not cover your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, your his male servant, his female servant, nor his ox, his donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, and again, people get all blown up. Neighbor's w- wife, you know, why is this male driven? hate to tell you, Christianity is, and, and the whole world was, God created man in his own image. Man got lonely, then he created female. That's just the way it is. If you are a feminist, then you're probably not going to ever be a real Christian. You may agree with, you know, go along with certain things because you like the conservative view or whatever, but that is the facts. It's a male-dominated system. Only, in my opinion, males can be elders. I think females can be deacons. They just can't be leaders in the diaconate. But there you go. So, if somebody believes in the wholesale slaughter of babies that we call abortion, they are not compatible with the Catholic Church or Christianity in general. You can't believe in wholesale abortion and be a Christian. Impossible. Can't be done. Just like you can't believe in the free sex movement. The I mean, it's June right now. We This country is doomed <laughs> morally because we have a whole month where they celebrate sin. They call it pride. I call it sin. And that's just the way it is. So you've got a whole month of celebration of sin. And you really think God's going to bless us? It ain't happening. God will still bless individuals and, and certain things. But you can't do that and expect the other. You shall not steal. You shall not bear falsehood. If you're breaking these things and you will not repent of those things and change your ways, you need to be kicked out of the church. The church must remain as pure as it can. I'm not saying one offense. I'm not saying if you break the line, you're excommunicated and never can come. I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying, there has to be a process in which somebody is found guilty of cheating that they either have to be removed from the church or come to repentance, ask for forgiveness, try to reconcile best as possible. We live in a fallen world. It's not always going to be possible to reconcile. I totally get that. I'm a realist about all of these. Okay. You stole the money. You had a drug habit. You can't pay all the money back, but you no longer have the drug habit. 
Okay, let's work on this, you know. There, there's, if you're going in the right direction, if you're working to cure the problem, if you acknowledge the problem, okay, that's the deal. Joe Biden, the entire Democratic Party, for the most part, even if you're a, quote, pro-life Democrat, you're probably guilty of the other ones, but maybe you're not. Then you're really, you've got other problems. You can't be, and this is, this is the boy I believe, you can't be a practicing Democrat, probably can't even be a practicing Republican too much, but you can vote for him and, and be a part of these parties. But you definitely can't be the Democrats. I'm open to have the discussion about the Republicans at a later date, but let's talk about the issue that was the question, Joe Biden and communion. So Joe Biden should be kicked out of the Catholic Church unless he repents of his policies and his belief of a woman has the right to kill a baby. It's incompatible with Christianity. Just different religion. It's just totally incompatible. Just like Hugh Hefner, some priest married him one of his times, I think. Okay? Promoting sexual revolution, blah, blah. You can't have it. So you have to make a choice. These are the moral commands, and there are, there are minor ones. You, I have the belief that, you know, somebody who says, I'm never going to stop at a stop sign, I don't care what you say, I think they're deal if and you work on convincing that a stop sign sometimes is a good deal. You have an intersection with not enough people to put a set of lights up, but needs, and, and, and understand on a totally unrelated note, but, a lot of stop signs are totally worthless. They're there to keep people from just going too fast. They put stop signs in long streets to slow people up. But anyway, sometimes they're necessary. Four-way stops are necessary. Two-way stops. Somebody has to have the right-of-way. Okay? If you're pulling, if you're teeing into a, a bigger street, you generally have a stop sign there before going right or left, they coming have the right of way. They don't even have to stop some places where you got a highway versus a highway in a rural area where there's not a lot of traffic. It's a four way stop. Okay. To say, I'm not going to stop at any stop sign is just as much a problem of, of Christianity as murder, though it's not, I'm not sure. I think you could actually get to excommunication if they were absolutely saying, I'm not believing any stop signs, they're all wrong. Yeah, then you've got a problem. But somebody commits the crime of not stopping in a stop sign, that's not something to bring to the church council about his excommunication, okay? Unless he's obstinate about it, then you have to deal with it, okay? So, Back to the original question, what's my theory on Joe Biden not being allowed communion? It's the beginning, but it's not the solution. The solution is to formally charge him in a church court kind of setting. You are hereby charged with living outside and, and practicing outside Christianity. Either repent or you're no longer allowed to call yourself a Catholic. That's our title for our members that follow our rules. Okay. Catholics have their rules. They should be allowed to enforce them. 
no government should say anything about it unless those rules are so heinous that it it breaks what is called common decency. And that's one of the problems. They, a lot of people don't even know what common decency is. But um, if a church says, you know, totally rewrite, there is a, there's a queer Bible out, okay, that, that takes anything about homosexuality out of the Bible. That's a false gospel, obviously, the false Bible, and by by rewriting the text doesn't make it legal in the sight of God. Okay. Why in the world any gay would want to be a part of a Christian fellowship is beyond me. But the only people I know that are gay that are that that they aren't involved in a church, okay? So which makes more sense at least. Why would you be a part of an organization that condemns your deal? I mean, God clearly is against homosexuality. There's multiple six or seven scriptures against it. Well, it's not very much. It's enough. He's never for it. He's always against it. And he calls it an abomination, which is a higher. It's, it's now a felony class, okay? It's not a misdemeanor. It's not... You know, you just get a ticket, okay? So, that is a long answer to question one, which, yes, I think you have to hold politicians accountable to the religion, and they should be excommunicated that they will not repent and change their ways. So, second question was, what's your view of the Southern Baptist Convention and their, you know, what happened at the convention? Is it, and that's even as much complicated mess as the first one. It's actually more complicated. I used to be a member of the Southern Baptist church. I was baptized in the Southern Baptist church. And when I was in college and I was a member of Southern Baptist church until around 2000. Okay. We looked at Southern Baptist churches, all the Southern Baptist churches around here that we visited. We did not get a good buy from Okay, Presbyterian Church down the street got a much better vibe from. I had the meeting with the pastor. I said, I don't agree with all your doctrines, but I can agree. You're, I don't think you're unchristian in a sense. And he said, it's totally fine. You're more than welcome to be a member. You have to, and knowing what I know now, because I know so much more about Presbyterian, I would have never joined. I would have attended probably without joining uh, until I could find something else because my problem with Presbyterians, that church, and every other Presbyterian church that I know, there's a guns of, obviously I don't know all the Presbyterian churches, and some of them may fit the deal. But every Presbyterian I know, the elders are not the most spiritual people. They're the most popular slash powerful people, and that's a huge difference. I totally respect the biblical ones. But several, <laughs> several, in fact, the majority of the elders I know in the Presbyterian Church know less about Presbyterian doctrine than I knew as a member of the laity. That's not allowed in my world. If you're going to be an officer of something, you better know it. That's true with homeowners associations. 
condo associations. So many times, officers that didn't have a clue what the real rules were. Okay? You need to read them. You need to understand them and follow them. Okay? Same thing's true for, especially true, more true for church. Okay? So, what the, the Southern Baptist Convention had their annual meeting, which I, I think having an annual meeting is a good thing. I'm actually in the process of, of I actually got it on paper where I'm planning on starting my own denomination. Probably not going to happen. It's currently just on paper. But the idea of having an annual meeting is a good thing to deal with the issues. Now, the way the Baptists do it and the way I would do it is two different ways. Not everyone, but the majority of Southern Baptists I know, though they are biblically conservative, they would agree with, say, my take on the commandments for the most part. They still do things I disagree with. They pay pastors way too, they're very too, they're a little bit too capitalistic for me. And get, understand, I have no problem with capitalism as a theory and as a practicing system of economics. It's just not the economics of the church. The church is not a capitalistic society. Church is, in some ways, a perfectly Christian socialistic sense. But that doesn't make socialism the, the cure. Because socialism in the church didn't work. And socialism doesn't work. It's got a, it's consistently 100% failed every place it's been. Okay? People keep trying it, and it keeps failing because it will never happen outside the kingdom. And it because of fallen people, it's not going to even happen inside the kingdom. It may happen in heaven, but why we're still sinners saved by grace who still sin, it's not going to happen. Okay? If you read Acts, you will see certain things of socialism in Acts. And then you see somebody sell a property and only give part of the money and kind of lie about it, and they drop dead. Gosh, I wish that power of, of the Holy Spirit was still around. Because I would like a lot of senos, Christians in name only, or Christians who refuse to really be Christian drop dead. Because the you have Islam because of most likely a bad evangelist in Christendom. Members that didn't know what, you know, because Muhammad picked up these these things from from Christianity and Judaism and put them into Islam. But that's another story. But as far as what the Southern Baptists, they elected a new president. They are dealing with some issues. Um, I didn't hear of any huge. Uh, I didn't go through all their um, their um, everything they got voted on. Um, but. For the most part, the 
press the Southern Baptist hasn't gone off the deep end. They have not become woke. They have not said okay to the the LGBT anti Christian mob. Um, but from my knowledge, my personal experience in in Baptist churches, several of them, four or five, I think, was a member, have been visited. You know, a couple dozen over the years is they're not, they worship a biune to God, not a triune God. There's very little to no holy being moved by the Holy Spirit in a Baptist church. Okay? they Some of them do, actually. Some of them have elders, but most Baptist churches, the pastors run the place, with kind of a power sharing with the deacons and mainly the deacon, the, the, the executive committee or the administrative committee, what do you want to call it? Of the deacons, the full deacons don't even generally have a, a single, a deacon gets you into the committee, but you know, you got to, it's politics to get to that top position. Okay. Um, so, I have, you know, that issue. Um, they do a lot of things right. I'm not. Trust me. If um, if you if you if you can if you can put up with the way they do things, then please join us other Baptist church. I mean, there are much worse churches to join for the most way. That being said, I just can't. Most churches, most Southern Baptist churches, spend between seventy five. I mean, between eighty five and ninety percent of their money on themselves. Most of them have a backwards youth movement, okay, which is why 80% of their youth won't be in church when they're 25. Um, and I could go down the list. But as the question is, what's my view of what the, so I think an annual meeting is a good thing. I have no trouble that they had one. I think it is the time to discuss things. I just don't think the structure is right. And the reason I say don't think the structure is right is we have clear biblical understanding of what's called the church council. Paul had already been converted. He was, I mean, he was Saul. He's now Paul. He's preaching the gospel. He's him and Barnabas. Again, it's always two. They're always Paul plus Barnabas. Okay, out doing their thing. They come across this group that is pushing. You have to basically become Jew, Jewish to become Christian. They don't agree with it. They decide to take it back to the the apostles in Jerusalem. And that's what the title of chapter 15 is called in any translation that has titles. Remember, the titles aren't necessarily scripture but that's what the whole chapter is about. That it's called the Jerusalem Council. It describes what the problem was. There was discussions between the elders, the deacons, the apostles, and probably just members. I don't think it was closed. But the key thing to this, which gets you to this pope thing, but not a pope is how the decision 
was arrived at. Okay. It's the only example we have, so there's only one of it. But the whole group, I'm reading from chapter 15, verse 12. The whole group kept quiet and listened to Barnabas and Paul as they explained all the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. After they stopped speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simon, meaning Peter, has explained how God first concerned himself to select from among the Gentiles a people for his name. The word of the prophets agree with this, as is written, two verses about from the Old Testament. I'm not reading those. Going down to chapter, therefore, this is the key verse, number um, verse 19. Therefore, I conclude that we should not cause extra difficulty for those among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we should write them a letter telling them to abstain from things defiled by idols, from sexual immorality, and from those things that have been strangled, and from blood. For Moses had those proclaimed to him in every town from the ancient time because he read it aloud in, in the synagogues every Sabbath. Okay. The apostles did what they didn't have a vote. They had a huge discussion over several days about it. There was consensus in the room, but James, who was somehow the guy in charge said, therefore I conclude. Now, maybe he wasn't the guy in charge and he was just an apostle and nobody wanted to say, okay, we've argued it long enough. Let's just agree with this decision. It may be that way. The way I read it is he was the guy in charge. He had been made the head of the the, uh, church in Jerusalem and in Christianity, roughly, and after hearing all the evidence presented to him, he says, therefore, I conclude that we shouldn't do this. And that's what they did. Okay. Now, key to this, there was not dissent. If there was one person that dissenting, that wouldn't have been a problem for me. If there's two or more that dissented, then that would have been a problem for me. That's how I interpret these things. In my opinion, All actions before a church should be by consensus except for a very small percentage, i.e. less than probably 5%. I don't think presidents of a denomination should be picked through a political process. I've said this before. The replacement of Judas by Mathis was done by casting lots. If you don't know what casting lots is, just look it up online. Go to go to uh, gotquestions.org. Is that the website? Yes, gotquestions.org. And type in casting 
Watts. And you will get an answer. What was the practice of casting lots? And it'll answer the question for you. It is a form of, quote, chance. But in, in God's stuff, when you can't come to a collusion or you're picking something from two very qualified candidates, let's say, now understand how they did it. I'm not saying, okay, just pull all the names in and pick a no, no, no. That's not what I'm saying. I said follow what's in Acts 1. The apostles examined and put two names for it. Does it have to be two? No, but it should be less than than a handful. It means less than five. In my opinion, two, three, you know, whatever. Less than five, five or less. Names for it, and they prayed, and they cast lots, and God, therefore, can pick who he wants to be the head of the church the head of the elders, the head of the deacons. Where in the world have we got the this that because we grew up in America that we always have elections for everything? Okay? Elections may be a fine thing for, well, I mean, based on a track record, it's not particularly good. I mean, look at, look at the U.S. Senate right now. You have one semi-honest senator in the Democrat side. Joe Manson. The other 49 have totally disregarded their oath of office. All of them should resign. All 49 of those other guys should resign for sure. It, they're not going to do it, mind you, but they should. So, but as for elections in a church, I don't find anywhere where that's a good thing. I don't find any verse that says have an election. So, that, as far as how the Southern Baptists do it, it was by election. And the guy won 52 to 48. I mean, it was a really tight vote. I would have said, okay, fine. Have an election to get it down to two, then cast lots. Or have it when it gets down to three and then cast lots. You know, I mean, and lots are just a thing. Roll a dice. Whether it's two or three, you can say odd gets this guy, even gets the other. If it's three, one and four is one guy, two and five is the next guy, three and six are the other guy, and you roll a dice in front of everybody. It's on the big screen. Everybody sees it. Non-electronic dice, a real dice that you know is not loaded, obviously. And therefore, God gets to pick. You may think I'm crazy, but read the scriptures and find me an election of officers or as president of this or head of this. It's by casting a lot or it's by age or something like that. It's never, ever by election. And those, so I'm not Southern Baptist. I will never be a uh, member of the Southern Baptist Church. I may work with Southern Baptists. I, I will work with Presbyterians. I just want to work with the natural presbytery. They're a pack of wolves. But the the um, a lot of Presbyterians have no problem. I don't agree with their theology, but I don't mean they're, you know, not Christian. 
So, Southern Baptist, if you can be a member, go ahead. I can't because I can't agree with their way they do things. There may be a bad. Here's here's the important thing you need to understand about Southern Baptists, is, and I'll close with this. The Southern Baptists have a non-authoritative structure. Got like 45,000 churches that work with the Southern Baptist Convention, but none of those churches are required to follow doctrines of the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, the Southern Baptist Convention has in the past done the right thing, and it's communicated a church that went totally off the deep end. But if you have your, if there are Baptist churches that have elders, there are Baptist churches that don't have elders. That's totally fine because there isn't any structure. Paul and Barnabas could do what they want. They didn't have to go back to to, to Jerusalem Council. I don't find that biblical, but that's the way I understand it, and that's the way I read Scripture. So, basically, when you say Southern Baptist Convention, you really are saying a 45,000 association of some people that do a few things together, but for the most part, every Southern Baptist church is totally independent, and they can do whatever they want within a broader, much broader uh, setup. And those are the two questions I got. I'll probably be back next week with some other things. But thanks for listening, and have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to the Vorthos Podcast. Visit Vorthos.net for more information. That's Vorthos, V-O-R-T-H-O-S dot net. You may follow at Vorthos on Twitter. The views and opinions expressed on the Vorthos podcast are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Vorthos podcast. Any content provided by Matt or our guest are their opinion and not intended to malign or insult anyone or anything. Matt W. Ruff can be reached at mattwruff at forthos.net. That's M-A-T-T-W-R-U-F-F at V-O-R-T-H-O-S dot net.